0: Um, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm actually going to have you guys stand back up again. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter one. We're going to do something that we do at Cottage Grove, which is we read this thing out loud together. So uh, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter one. Okay, so here's the thing though. Like, I, like I'm reading this from the ESV. So if you're not reading from the ESV, you'll sound weird. You could still go for it. All right. So, but but if we're going to read in unison, read from the ESV. So you got a Bible app and you can like switch it around or whatever. do that. Uh, uh, if you don't, you want to read off a friend. If you want to be weird, just read from the NIV at the same time or something, you know, and see what happens. So um, guys, I want to read this whole hymn from Paul that, that, that I read at the end of last night. Cause this is going to be just kind of our, our rhythm of going through this thing. I want us to just like have these words just wash over us, okay? So if, if everyone's there to say amen, nice and loud. Everybody, yeah, go ahead. You, hear, you there? Amen. That was great in unison. You guys are gonna do it again. Okay, so on the count of three, we're gonna read Colossians 1, 15 through 20. On the count of three, you're gonna read the whole thing together. Loud and proud, one, two, three. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Sweet. I heard some of you guys just slaughter it. So, you know, (laughs) pray on my word. So that's fine. Great job, guys. Go ahead and take a seat. Thanks for doing that. Okay, so uh, main idea this morning is pretty simple. Uh, It's... Here's, here's what I want us to, to learn from the two, first two verses, okay, of this. I'm gonna, we're gonna walk through the first two this morning, uh, the second two tonight, and then the last two tomorrow morning. So, uh, but for these first two, here's the main thing, that Jesus is the creator of all things. Jesus is the creator of all things. We're gonna see that in verses 15 through, uh, through 16. Um, and so I'm, I'm gonna talk about Jesus as being the creator, okay, and what in this text reveals about that Jesus as creator. Um, I'm gonna talk about the author, okay? That he's the author of all things and why that's significant and that he's the owner of all things, okay? So creator, author, owner. All those things sound synonymous. Yes, that's very much on purpose. So creator, author, owner, Jesus is the creator of all things. Okay, so let's start with this. Um, he's the creator and we see this in the image of the invisible God, all right? So I wanna, I wanna stop there. That's, that's going to bring all of us into thinking about one of the, you know, in the first pages of the entire Bible, okay, so keep your finger in Colossians. Um, I'm going to have you turn to Genesis chapter one. Keep your finger in Colossians, we'll be right back to it. This is going to take a second. But I want you to see this text, because it's crucial for us to understand this. And this is immediately what we should be thinking about when we hear this phrase, image of God, okay? Um, Genesis chapter one, so first page in the Bible, or two. Uh, In verse 26, this is what God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, so this whole idea, like when we read image of God, we're immediately thinking about this, okay? Okay. so I'm just going to part there for a second. So what this means about us as humans, every single one of you, every, you know, all of us in the human race, is that we ha- are distinguished from all the rest of creation, okay, of having dignity and worth beyond anything else. God looks at a supernova and finds that really impressive, but he looks at you and he's blown away because your image, his image, is possessing. It, you possess the image of God within you. So each and every one of us, every single human, we're separate, distinct, unique, have worth and dignity and power beyond anything else in all of creation. Human beings do, okay? And what is beautiful is that God has placed his image in all humans and all cultures as well, okay? So God is too infinite, he's too great, he's too marvelous, he's too wonderful, he's too complex, he's too beautiful to be reflected in just one people group. That's why he created a myriad of different cultures, because he's a complex, fascinating God that he needed to take his image and place it in a bunch of different people in order to properly reflect how incredible he is, okay? So when someone has an image of something within them, right? Like we 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 think about the fact that um, um, my son Lincoln possesses my image. All right, he looks like me. You can look at like little pictures of Andy growing up, and he looks like Lincoln. Okay, Lincoln looks like me. He possesses things that are like me, which is just marvelous. I mean, you are looking at, and I am saying, when you look at Lincoln, he's reflecting something that's true about me. When you see Lincoln, you say, "And Lincoln, your dad probably has blue eyes. Your dad is very white." Your dad is, is, you know, all this type of things. And as he gets older, he's going to reflect more and more and more of the qualities of his father, which is me, okay? We as humans, that's what we do with God, all right? Because we possess his image, for those of us who place our faith in Christ, this becomes even more so, but even those who haven't, human beings, because the image of God is dwelling within us, reflect God in his character, and his attributes, okay? So some of the things we can think about is that we are a mirror and reflection of these attributes of God. We, as humans, can show goodness and righteousness and justice and truthfulness and love and mercy and grace. But because of the sin curse, which is now just a couple chapters later in Genesis, because of the sin curse, we reflect now a broken image, Actually, we possess now an image that reflects the brokenness of our first father, which is Adam. So sin is now something we begin to reflect. Rather than reflecting our perfect father, we, we actually reflect our broken father, which is Adam. <laughs> and so we show now all of a sudden a new myriad of disgusting, terrible things like lust and greed and injustice and pride and selfishness and hatred, okay? Um, so, okay, back to Lincoln. So, uh, okay, so, so Lincoln does not sleep. Okay, I can count, so he's 13 months old. I can count seven times in his life where he has slept through the night. Okay, so pray for me. All right, so, so seven times. Uh, I've also realized this, that I am a horrible sinner in need of grace because at three o'clock in the morning, I reflect a broken image of Adam uh, at three o'clock in the morning, trying to be patient with my son. So there is an unfortunate reminder of my brokenness as I look in my bathroom, uh, because uh, in my bathroom there is a tile, like right when you're standing in front of the uh, front door of our of our bathroom, that has a crack in it. Okay, and that was from me at three o'clock in the morning, losing my mind and punching the wall. And I I'm kind of weak, I guess. I didn't like totally break it, but I cracked it, right, fractured it. Uh, so just like this. I lose control. I'm like, I, I actually like have perpetually all of my life have struggled with anger towards inanimate objects. All right. So so that that is kind of funny, but it's also terrible. Um I'll, you know, I, I used to work at a meat packing plant. Um, not a meat packing plant, it was like a, in Orange City, Iowa, there was this uh, a just small, yeah, it was a, it was a meat locker, that's what it was. Um and I was the cleanup guy. So there was this thing called the kill room in Woodstra's meatpacking plant. Uh, where they would take in cute cows, little, you know, little, little guys, uh, and bring them into there, and that's where they would slaughter them and kill them, was in there. And my job was to clean up after the butcher. So I'd come, this is my, this is my job in college, guys, so that, that's what I did. So I'd show up, and I'd have a power washer, and I'd literally have to like, power wash guts like, off of the walls and off these machines, like, it's, like, Saw 9, you know what I mean, took place in this in this institution, so I'm, like, cleaning all this stuff off, but, guys, like, I will get, like, stuff in my face and, like, on me, in my mouth, like, so, like, profanity, hitting stuff, yelling at things. Like I remember like convicted like by this whole reality of like, Norris, you have an anger problem, dude. Like you, you actually have issues, okay? So, so, so while some of that's funny, like literally the Lord has to really redeem me from a lot of my anger towards just, yeah, just kind of anything. Okay, but the other day this terrified me. So I'm with Lincoln, super cute. He's in our living room. Um, he's, like, crawling around this time and all that stuff. And he's getting kind of fussy. Uh, it's getting later. Uh, so he, like, sits up and bonks his head on my coffee table, all right? So he gets, like, he gets he kind of fussy. He's kind of mad. And so he kind of settles back down, sits back up again, and literally, like, a second later, bonks his head again, okay? Starts, like, now, like, like crying. So kind of settles again, bonks his head a third time. Now, guys, I'm not making this up. He's not a quick kid. He literally spins around and goes, ah! starts hitting this table and I go, oh Lord Jesus, what have I done? How he, oh my gosh, like I, I didn't teach him that, that's just in him. He's he's reflecting the broken image of his father being angry at inanimate objects. Like I'm not, I told Emily that and she's like, Lord have mercy, we're in trouble. Um, but guys, we as broken image bearers manifest broken attributes now of our first father. That's what the sin curse does. Although we were made to reflect all of God's God's glorious attributes, we now reflect tainted, broken, jacked up, attributes of human sin all over the place. So while we were made in the likeness of God, here's what's really distinct and interesting about what Paul is saying about Jesus in verse 15, okay, in Colossians one. He is the image of the invisible God. Okay, so he said that we were made in the likeness of God. Okay, a replica, right? But Paul is saying Christ is, is the image of God, the exact image of God. He is the image that we reflect. He wasn't like God, he was God himself, okay? Like everything about who Jesus is, he's, it's crazy. He's, he's reflecting the image of an invisible God, showing us what God is like, but at the same time, he is that God himself, all at the same time, that's what Paul's saying, okay? This whole myriad of beautiful thing that that God himself is Jesus, the God who created us. And here's what's beautiful. God didn't just send somebody to come and save us and delegate a task, okay? He came himself. Um, So I'm going to help you just think about it this way. So, um, okay, Space Jam. All right, so Greatest movie, arguably of all time, uh, and uh, uh, just just fantastic. Apparently, there's was going to be a Space Jam 2.0 with LeBron. Will not even come close. But so, but anyway, so like that that movie. Okay, also has some just uh, just a beautiful, amazing. You know, holy cow, the story arc. Let's be honest, character development, guys. It's just true art. Is is uh, Space Jam? But um, okay. So so story right is this monsters show up right? They steal the powers from you know. Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing, just, just jerks, okay, little scrawny little dudes, and they become these giant monsters, and they're taking over Looney Land, and, uh, and they're going to sell all of, the, all of Bugs Bunny and all of his friends and the Looney Tunes into slavery on uh, Planet Amusement Park Mountain thing, right, and uh, so th- it, it was terrible, terrible situation, everything was showing up, like things were looking terrible, so they began watching videos, right, of basketball players. All throughout, like Bugs Bunny, right? Remember the conference table? They're all sitting down together and they start showing videos of basketball players. And then they start showing the basketball player, Michael Jordan, okay? So really, I mean, this is what Bugs was thinking. He was thinking, man, if we can just play like that, then perhaps we could actually get out of our horrible situation. But actually, that's not what Bugs did, did he? He actually went and got the dude himself to come down and do this all right? So he didn't just find someone who played like Michael Jordan. They needed Michael Jordan himself to come and save them from the monsters, Guys, the gospel of Jesus Christ is in Space Jam. What do you think about that? So that's exactly what our God did. Now, as God did this profound thing, knowing our dilemma, God didn't send someone like himself. He came himself to save us and redeem us. That's what Paul's saying here with he is, the, he is the image of God. He is God himself. God came and redeemed us. God came himself. God, knowing our dilemma, didn't send someone like himself. He came himself. And then Jesus, in that perfect reality that he came, reveals the invisible nature of the incredible God who created everything. If you want to know what Jesus is, if you, know, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know who he's like, what he thinks about, how he behaves, look at Jesus. He is God in human form, the image of God. He possesses perfectly, showing us who God truly is. Perfectly good, perfectly righteous, just, truthful, loving, merciful, gracious, holy, pure. He depicts and shows what the invisible God is like. And when we believe in Jesus, okay, this is what's beautiful about the gospel, all right? We believe that he is the one who came and saved us, redeemed us from our brokenness, all right? That we constantly perpetuate with the sin. Our our marred image begins to become formed into his image again. The Holy Spirit changes us. This is called sanctification. When you believe in Jesus, the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead comes and takes up residence within your own soul. And you're no longer reflecting the broken image of Adam, but the perfect image of Jesus. That's what begins to happen to the Christian. Over our life, Jesus begins recreating us. So he created us to begin with. He was there at the very beginning. John, John says that, that he was with God. The word was with God and was God at the very beginning, right? But then he's also saying this, that he's coming and he's going to restore you. It's like why Paul talks about that in Philippians, that he who began a good work in you is gonna carry it on to completion of those in Christ Jesus. Like Christ shows up and he begins recreating you when you begin to look like him. Okay, when you believe in him rather and you begin to look like him as you grow into maturity, it's why sinful people like you and me can actually become patient. An angry dude like myself can begin to become a patient person. An apathetic, selfish person like you and me can begin to become selfless and merciful we can become kind to people, truthful people, just people, loving people. And that's all because of this. And I want you guys just to hear this. Christ created you. And when you believe in him, he starts recreating you to become more and more like him. And he never stops doing that marvelous act of recreating and renewing you making that fractured image become more and more and more whole. It won't totally get there. Jesus has to come back to make it perfect. But as we live this life, we're gonna be coming more and more and more of the reflection of our true father rather than our marred sinful father. That's the most beautiful thing. So I want you to just ask this question. Are you struggling with sin and you think that you're too far gone right now? that you're too marred to actually be fixed. You're like a mirror that is beyond repair, like an iPhone screen that's been cracked that just needs to be thrown away. Well, the beautiful reality is that that is exactly what you have to do, is throw your old life away, give it to Jesus, and then he gives you a new life and makes you more and more and more into the likeness of him, and fixing you and creating you and making you marvelous in his eyes. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus does as our creator, okay? Okay, but Jesus is also the author of creation, all right? So let's look back in Colossians here. So um, it says this, that he is the firstborn of creation, all right? So firstborn of creation. That sounds kind of strange, a little weird. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and say this. This is is something that this does not mean, all right? So what this doesn't mean is that Christ is a created being, okay? So firstborn, right? Like Rodney is my firstborn son, right? Um, Lincoln's one, the first biological son, you know, from us. Like, but, 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 Christ isn't created at all. That's a misunderstanding of what's happening. He, he he's not even the greatest creation that God has ever created, like the supreme one. And in the very next verses, it said that Christ created all things. For if he was actually created by God, he couldn't be God. Salt company. So that's why John one one. In the beginning was the word, Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God, okay? So what this does mean then is that Christ is supreme over everything in the cosmos, all right? King above all, first above all. A better way to understand this is how the NIV actually translate it. He's the firstborn over all of creation, okay? Okay. Um, the metaphor distinguishes Christ from all created beings as before Him in time and as supreme. He he out. It's it's better to understand it this way. He outranks everybody in creation. Everything in creation. Okay. So um. Okay. So so I grew up um. My, my, my early elementary school years. I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. All right. So I'm, I'm a southern boy like uh, back in the day. So I got I got some weird twang that I could actually. I would give a really good, uh, one day I'll show you this, a really good, I believe, George W. Bush impersonation. So um, one time you could be blessed by that. So it's just because it's in my blood, you know, it's, it's my people. So uh, but anyway, um, uh, what we did in Tulsa is we played soccer at recess, all right, that's what we did. Uh, but then when I went to Iowa, everyone played football at recess. Okay, I didn't even know how to throw a football, because I was a super nerd. I would rather play N64 than throw a football, so, but all everyone in the school played football. So I'd show up and I would want to uh, play uh, this thing called football, and of course the dreaded thing happens when you're standing in elementary school or middle school, is all the kids get up and basically their acceptance before their entire school begins on the playground, and that is called picking teams. <sighs> So here I am, you know, Norris, just scared third grader, just moved from Tulsa, trying to stand there. I finally get picked for a team, all right, and I'm I, I'm 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 really pumped because I had a crush on Rachel Gerking, who was always picked first. Okay, she was a beast, uh, and uh, and she just she just crushed everybody. I had a huge crush on Rachel. I was I was uh, I was actually not on her team, um, but I always just tried to see if I could just get her attention. Well, this is basically how football is played in elementary school, right? So so there's no there's no rushing, there's nothing. You just stand there, and there's we also didn't know you know, no like 10 house count or anything like that. You literally, you could stand there for 30 minutes with the quarterback waiting to choose who he's gonna, you know, who is he or she gonna throw the football at. They said, that's how we played it in Spirit Lake. So, so all of it's like, you know, we're all standing there. So it, how it works is the, the offense just stands on the other side and just yells at the quarterback. Like, Rachel, 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 Rachel. Like the whole time waiting like for somebody and you don't move. It's just, please, Rachel, throw me the ball, please. So I realized, I'm like, she doesn't actually know who I am. I'm on her opposite team. I think she would maybe throw me the ball if I beg enough and then I have an interception, I'd be the hero. So I I remember this, it was brilliant. So I'm standing right in front of her, Rachel, 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 Rachel. And she threw it to me. And I remember it was like one of the greatest like moments of my life. And the only thing I could come up with, like it was, you know, you could have said the snarkiest, coolest, like that one liner right there could have been like, oh dude, Norris is cool. He said something really cool in the moment, like tricked everybody. But instead what I said, the first thing that came to mind was peace to the world. And then I like (laughs) crap and like run. And I remember being like so afraid. And, uh, but I'm like, it's my time. Here I go. Like I'm like running. And then this dude, Michael Blair runs up to me, like super mad that I did that and shoves me as hard as I can. Okay, this is my second day of school. Uh, and I just biff it on the concrete, all right? Not even close to a touchdown. Literally just had to go to the nurse's office, all right? So I'm sitting there just crying, like greatest day of my life ruined. Didn't even do the one-liner that made me cool. I'm just like more of a loser than when I even began, all right? So here's, here's what you need to know. When you're picking teams, the first person you pick is the best person, Right? It's about rank. So that's exactly what's going on with Jesus. You pick the best player first because he ranks above everything else. Jesus outranks everything in all of creation. He's the supreme one who created it all. So when you think of firstborn, you think best. The the greatest thing ever, everything else doesn't even matter compared to this one. And that's Christ, the supreme one, the author of it all. He created all things. Okay, so look back in Colossians 15, um, 16 now, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So he created all things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, rulers, dominions, authorities. That's an exhaustive statement, okay? Literally, Paul literally hits everything with that statement, Okay? So so it, it was kind of like this. The Colossians were like, well, is, is he over like the galaxies? Is he over astronomy? Is he over like, like he literally just made this statement of, no, he's over everything. So I took, uh, I took econ in, in high school and college. Um, and, uh, and, and so when, when I was in econ 101 in high school, um, it was like a senior level class, you know what I mean? To get like college credit, all that stuff. So I'm taking it. And uh, Mr. Sievert is our, uh, is our, is our teacher. Uh, and he was a fantastic teacher. But anyway, so he started the whole thing of basically just asking this question. All right, he made this statement. He goes, everything is connected to economics. <laughs> and then he basically said, prove me wrong, name something. And I'll tell you that it's connected to economics. So then for like the first 30 minutes of the class, everyone's like, what about uh, steel production? You're an idiot. You shouldn't be an econ. Of course it's connected (laughs) to economics, right? You know, like you get the Christian, how about faith? You know, and like, it's absolutely connected to economics. Everyone is totally trying to find the meaning of the universe, like all over the place. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get them. I was playing a video game named Kirby Superstar, all right? So, uh, and, and, and one of the powers that Kirby possessed at that time was plasma, all right? So I'm like, plasma is really cool. It's like this like weird energy that no one knows about, right? And uh, so like Kirby charges it up and then fires it. It's like the coolest thing ever. It's like, okay, this is all, I'm a senior in high school and all this stuff is going through my head thinking I'm going to stop this economy, this economics professor, uh, teacher. So yeah, I literally said like, how about plasma? thinking like yeah dude good luck trying to explain how I can actually connect it to like a really sweet energy source that gets thrown out everywhere so then he starts explaining how like important blood transfusions are and possessing plasma for like the development of different biological research and I go oh my goodness I don't know what plasma is <laughs> and I just brought it all up I am such a loser <laughs> like I should not play video games I really, I'm a complete moron um, all, just horribleness but here's what Seabro was saying he literally did though Every single thing we brought up to him, he said, connected economics, connected economics, connected economics. Like our whole like society is built upon it. here's just the whole reality. That's what Paul's doing for us. Try me. He created everything. It's all created by him. Every single thing is created by Jesus. He's the author of it all. Angels, demons, galaxies, supernovas, tidal waves, skyscrapers, governments, dictators, history, technology, Donald Trump. King Jong-un, spiritual forces, tidal waves, Minnesota, this camp, your iPhone, your backpack, the University of Minnesota. Guys, everything is created by Christ. He's the author. he's He's the masterful worker that created it all. He made it all. That's Christ. He's the author of it all. But what that therefore means, if he's the author of it all, that means he's the owner of it all too, Okay? So because he's the author of creation, he's the rightful owner of creation as well. He's the creator and author, and thus he's the rightful owner. Christ is saying, whatever I made is mine. I made everything, so therefore everything is mine, right? So you can think about it in terms of patents, okay? Patents exist, why? Because, because the inventor of a specific product, all right? So you can think about just even the iPhone itself, okay? There was a patent that, that, that Apple immediately claims for the iPhone because of this. They wanted to make sure that they were able to claim the rights of the iPhone that was invented by the corporation of Apple so that the inventor, Apple, gets all of the benefits and profit from the sale and use of that product, right? We made it, we own it, we get all the benefits of it. So Christ has a patent on all of creation, Salt Company. Not one square inch falls out of his reign and rule, and he therefore gets to decide how he uses every square inch of all of creation. He's a rightful owner. He therefore can decide how to use it, right? So, so that, that's why Paul uses these prepositions that are all over the place, right? Like the two of them I want to specifically point out is everything was created by Christ and everything was created for Christ, Okay. By him, he authored all creation. It was by his power that all things came to be. He spoke and the cosmos came into existence. He created everything out of nothing. All of his power, all of his might, all of his brilliance came from his power. By him, all things. He spoke and everything came into existence. But then this is the one that blows my mind is that everything was created for him, okay? So he utilizes everything. All of creation, every square inch of it for his purposes, everything. All creation is essentially his tool belt that he uses, all the different things, all of creation, right? From an atom to a galaxy. That's just in his tool belt to say, I'm going to use this to bring forth glory to me and good for my people. Everything is for him. All creation. He uses all things for his purposes. Here's what's crazy. Even the terrible things in life, like cancer, like natural disaster, like a death, even a death of a baby, which you guys have kind of been in the epicenter here at this church of watching your lead pastor navigate through this very truth. It's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to live it. even the terrible things of life, God is the only one that can use terrible things like suffering for his glory. A lot of people describe suffering and pain in this life as a knife that God uses to whittle us to become like his creation, his new creation rather, in the image of his son. And only a good, powerful author of everything, owner of everything, can use the sharp, dangerous thing called suffering to bring forth glory and goodness out of it. It's why Romans 8.28 is possible. You guys have maybe heard this verse before. This is what Paul says, that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Because Christ can actually use all things, guys, everything, whether good or bad, for our good and his glory. He made them all by his power, and he uses them all for his glory and our good. So, the reason why we can look at this and say that this is absolutely true about our God is that the most important thing that has ever happened in history was exactly what I was just saying something terrible that God used to make something beautiful. God used the worst atrocity to bring forth our good and his glory. And that's the cross of Jesus Christ, guys. He created this plan from eternity past, okay? God created the plan for Jesus. He created the plan of redemption. He set it up. He's above all things. He created it. It's his will. He made it. This was his plan, that Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God, the image of God, the exact likeness, God himself coming to this earth would live a perfect, sinless, just, good, truthful, peaceful life, perfectly reflecting the goodness of God. And he would preach the good news of the kingdom of God to everyone who he saw. He would heal the sick, he would care the poor, he would love the rejected and the outcast. He would be the perfect human that we could never be. And then he would be wrongfully accused. A false witness, tons of them would come up unjustly against him, condemning him to a death, that of a criminal, like murderers and rapists got put up on a cross. And he died rejected and embarrassed, abused and bloodied like a sheep taken to the slaughter. The cross of Jesus Christ is the most brutal act in all of history, guys. It's horrible. It's the most disgusting thing you can imagine. Most unjust thing you could comprehend. It's disgusting the cross of Jesus Christ, and God created it that way. He set it up that way. And he says this in Isaiah 53, verse 10, that it was the will of the Lord to crush him, and he has put him to grief, because God knew that the plan he created was coming to reality at the pinnacle and climax of the cross, because God would use the most brutal act in all of history and turn it into the most beautiful act of human history. If Jesus died and he laid in the grave and never rose again, everything that we're talking about here is for naught. And it is the most brutal, horrible thing that has ever happened. But that's not the end of the story. He was in the grave for three days, but then he rose again out of the grave, defeating death. Actually, actually, crushing Satan, actually taking the one who caused this mess in the whole first place, decimating him, slaughtering him, standing out of the grave saying, I'm the king. I am the author of everything, even the author of death itself and I can control it and use it for my glory and my good, right? So then what he does is that for those of us who place our faith in him, the Holy Spirit comes within us and we begin to become more and more and more like King Jesus. We now can have an eternal relationship with him. We can now be unleashed to actually bring forth his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Guys, he took the most brutal act in history and made it the most beautiful act in all of history. And he got the glory and we got all the good in the midst of that. So, who is Jesus? He's the one who came and died for us to give his life, restoring us to renewed image bearers, reflecting his goodness and grace. So guys, take courage. Jesus, the creator of all things, can take the broken, brutal things of this world, the broken, brutal things in your life right now, that can totally be all your fault or totally you be a victim of the sin around you. He can take all that broken, brutal, messed up stuff and he can take it and turn it into a thing of beauty. All for his good, all for our good and all for his glory. Let's pray together, guys. Jesus, we are thankful that you indeed are the author, the creator of all things. And that in fact, in the midst of all the difficulty here in this life, we can still have hope because you, Jesus, are the one who can use horrible things, broken things, and turn them into beautiful things. The greatest act of all of that was what you've done on the cross. And we are caught up in that beautiful truth, Jesus. So therefore, we can look at things all around us And we can believe that you are actually doing a work of recreating us, for those of us who know you, Jesus, and turning us into the likeness of your son, that that you can take horrible things all around us in this entire world and turn it for your glory and therefore our good. God, would that actually give tons of hope to these students in this room now? Many are actually completely hopeless that they believe that there's there's no hope in their circumstance. There's no hope in actually how stuck in their sin they actually are. But Jesus, thanks be to God that you came, the perfect image bearer and died on our behalf and now can free us from the bondage of sin, set us onto a new course and actually make all things come together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I pray all these things in Christ's name, amen.